Benfica Podcast is one of the founding members of Benfica Independent. Benfica Independent is an independent platform made by fans for fans. And in it, you can find our podcast, along with many other podcasts, along with articles of opinion, video segments, and much, much more. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent, with exclusive contents for our Patreons. Hasta que no estás aquí dentro no sabes la grandeza de, de este equipo. Sí, es un club que tiene una grandeza que no se comprende si no estás aquí dentro. Son de una magia única, benfiquista. Son nos sentimos así. Por muchos desgustos que podamos tener, valores más altos se levantan. O valor mais alto que se levanta em termos futebolísticos chama-se Benfica. Quero o Benfica intimidar o adversário. Quero um manto sagrado entrar com vocês em qualquer estado. E estamos, pá! É isso que eu quero! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Dolby Fika podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumasic, coming in to you every Tuesday night when we can, now that the season's going. Welcome, episode number 491, with me tonight, Cristiano Oliveira. Como é que é, amigo? Cristiano Oliveira, como é que é? Alfredinho, como é que é, meu amigo? Got a massive headache, bro, but nonetheless, I'm here to talk about Benfica for a few minutes. Try to get my mind off of negative things. Yeah, What's going us, on? Yeah, let us know how the, the sound is. The sound is coming up. We got a, a, a new gadget here that I'm using here. And uh, the mic, too, is a little closer to my face. So just let us know uh, how the sound is coming in, if everything is good. Uh, like I said, episode 491 is what we're up to and what we're serving up tonight. Uh, we'll look back at Benfica's last friendly game against Feyenoord. Uh, we'll also look ahead to the league um, schedule, the domestic league schedule, uh, since we're nearing the start of the season. Uh, also, before we go, and I just don't, I didn't want to forget, I forgot about this. Uh, I didn't want to forget, I want to, I, I got to be honest with you, Cristiano, I, I, I've never, I haven't been excited about the national team in a, in a long time. Uh, and I think these, um, the, the women's national team was something for me to get excited about. Uh, clearly underdogs coming into a, a group where they weren't favored, but uh, they they did a good showing. Yeah. Um, Somebody, your, your volume could go up a little bit higher. Could go up a little higher? Okay, well, we'll, t we'll turn it up a little bit. Saying I'm perfect, but that's just because I'm loud as hell. You know what I'm saying? I talk a little bit loud. Yeah, how's that? that? I think that's a little that's a little better. I don't want to blow out the blow out the, the levels here, but uh, I think that is uh, that should be good. Nick, let us know, or Kevin, let us know. Uh, but anyway, Kevin just said your needs to go up a little higher. Same thing with Redman. Hey, Redman, is that the rapper, the guy from Newark, New Jersey? Yeah, Redman, Newark, New Jersey. You got it. Remember him? You got it. That's right. You got it, baby. You got so, it. Go ahead. You were 
So the national team, no, the, yada, the, yada, yada. As navigadores, a national team, uh, underdogs, clearly uh, not favored, uh, were going to to show themselves. Uh, had a good showing, I thought. Uh, only lost to uh, to the Netherlands, one nothing, and then uh, beat Vietnam and and uh, tied U.S. with the chance in the very last minute of uh, of pulling one of them biggest upsets in in women's soccer that i could remember not that i remember much but uh i just wanted to leave here a a word for uh, for the ladies and for the national team uh especially you know obviously kika who's a Befica player and, and a few others that are Befica players, but, but certainly something to get excited about, got the country behind them. We were getting up early to watch games. It was like, uh, it, it was like we were in Korea again. Uh, remember the Korea world cup, Cristiano? Of course, man. Don't remind me. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, I just, uh, yeah. we're down two zero. So stop. I don't even want to remember. Right. I wanted to uh, to just leave a, a word here of, of, of thank you for honoring the, the company. Uh, the company. <laughs> thank you for honoring the country. Uh, and certainly uh, you did all of us proud despite uh, being out of the World Cup. But certainly a, a good showing by by the ladies. So big ups to, to them. Um, Press for a country that just started playing soccer in terms of at the professional level not too long ago. So, yes, hats off to them. Congratulations. And let's do better next time. Let's go. Let's strive to be better. Vamos. Carrega. Yeah. Should be proud. Yeah. No, look, it, it's all uh, it's all up from here. You got to progress. You got to evolve. Let's not forget this. Uh, this women's soccer in Portugal is not something that's uh, too, too, too old. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's a new endeavor. I think that Benfica is in it for what, uh, for the last uh, two, three years. Uh, but uh, Portuguese football in terms of professionalism for the ladies, I think, and, and I don't want to be misquoted here, but I think maybe, I want to say five to seven years, maybe, a professional league that's, that's competitive. I, I don't follow it that much. Mike Agostinho could probably tell me it. In Portugal, yeah, I think it's only, I think it's only four, if I'm not mistaken. That's why I, I said what I said before. In terms of professionalism, I think it's only four years of professional league, first division, and stuff like that. Yeah, but uh, before Benfica came along, I think that Sporting used to to dominate, and I thought that the league was around back then, and then Benfica joined. But but anyway, um, big ups, big ups, uh, Cristiano. Let's turn our attention now here to uh, Benfica. Uh, but let me let me say a little all the Freddies, all the. That's all the you you can't hear me because I'm I'm trying to talk and you just. I was gonna say, you know what else we shouldn't forget, Alfredo is the Freddies. You haven't welcomed the Freddies on board. And... I know, Cristiano, you're in charge of the chat tonight, man. You got to control this chat because I got to control a million other things. We got a lot of people here so far. Cristiano Oliveira, Redman, <laughs> Kevin from 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 Montreal, if I'm not mistaken. Alfredo Fumasas, Justin Aragon, Bruno Gil Rodrigues. Nick Valadon, uh, Fabs, 5,000 from Alentejo, all the way in Alentejo. Paul Rosende, uh, again, uh, Manny Valadon, the other Nick's brother just showed up. He said, Boa noite, meus amigos. And, and before we go ahead, guys, don't forget, smash that like button. Smash I need to see like. heart. Smash the heart button. Now, Fred, go ahead. Now you get back to what you got to do. No, um, turning our attention. Yeah, you're right. We cannot forget the Freddies. They're an integral part of this podcast of how we interact with the fan base, and I, I appreciate them. We appreciate them greatly. And we even Dave. More, we got to get them a little bit more, you know, involved. We got to start taking questions from them rather than just speaking over them. Yeah, 
What's up, man? No, I agree. And, and when we can, we keep our eye on the chat, and we'll Cristiano is we'll keep an eye on the chat. We'll mm-hmm. we'll bring up some questions. Uh, but but certainly, uh, let's turn our attention here to uh, to Benfica now. Benfica played their last uh, friendly game uh, this past Sunday in the Netherlands against Feyenoord, uh, and uh, it wasn't a pretty uh, performance by Benfica. But look, if if you're gonna have performances where you're gonna have a lot of film to look at, game film to look at, this is probably the one. And what better time to look at game film while you still what uh seven days away from uh six days away from from the official start of the season Cristiano? ask that question again the last part no it, it, you know the, there's a lot of game film that i was the, reading the comments i was trying to read see, the comments see, and you see. Said, <laughs> I missed your no we need we need dave we need dave to maintain uh an eye on those uh on those comments no i'm, I'm oh, saying like that yeah we 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 come away um, with a lot of game film to look at, and, and certainly, what better time to look at game film, and make the corrections, uh, than uh, than six days ahead of the of the official uh, of the official start of the season with the Super Cup game. Um, I'll give you the lineup, and then we'll we'll, we'll discuss a, a little bit of, in terms of the lineup. And of course, if we're looking at the lineup, we're looking at a lineup in the last friendly, a lineup that's most likely going to resemble what we will field against Porto. A couple changes here and there, but I think that uh, you could see a, a core here. Vlakodim was in goal, Ba, Silva, Otamendi, and Juracek. Uh, Fred uh, Auschnitz in, in uh, Kokshu. Uh, Angel Di Maria, Rafa, Angel, Angel, Angel Di Maria, Rafa, João Mario, and Gonçalo Ramos. Uh, Cristiano, were you at all surprised that Otamendi got the start, or you figure at some point, if he's healthy, He's got to get some minutes. No, not at, not at all surprised, Alfred. I mean, I said last week on a podcast when we were taking questions from the Freddies and people were asking if, you know, is it going to be Morato? Is it going to be Otamendi? And I said all Morato has to do, I mean, all Otamendi has to do is show up to, train, uh, to, to training 100% and needs to get some some consecutive trainings under his belt and, and hopefully play some minutes in a game, which he did. He started, played 45 minutes. And I, I think as long as is he's, you know, uh, as close to 100% as possible come Wednesday, August 9th against Foco do Porto in Estado Municipal de Aveiro, I think that's he's going to get the call. I understand there's been a lot of uh, uproar for Morato, and you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm probably the biggest Morato fan there is, aside from his mom and his dad probably. But I do think that you need to have the experience, you need to have, that Malindris from a guy such as Otamendi in, in the game against Floco de Porto. So, no, not at all surprised that he got some minutes, and I'm glad he did. We want everyone on this club to be um, 100% or as close to 100% as, as, as they can be, and it's only the beginning of the season. So um, it's important. It's important to get the Capitão, your leader, back on the field. Yeah, but do you feel that at this time, or even with six more days, he has enough game rhythm to play against Porto? Do you think that Schmidt is going to go with the center-back pairing of Silva and Morato? As I, as I stated before, Fred, I think it's going to be tough to keep Morato on the sidelines, but that being said, man, you need the capitán, you need that leadership on the field. And it's one of those games where you need to use your head, you need to 
to be ready for anything. And I think Otamendi is a guy with tons of experience, as we all know. I mean, I don't have to sit here and go over his CV, you know, GPL, La Liga, Champions League, freaking World Cup, you know, Copa America. The guy's done it, been there, done it all. Um, and and that leadership is crucial in, in such big games like this. And especially we understand how how these games in Portugal are refereed and all the antics and, and all the palhaçada. And so I think it's important to have someone of his ilk on the pitch. And I think Roger Schmidt's going to have to make the difficult decision between he or Moratu. And, and I understand, as I said before, I totally understand that there's an argument to be made over uh, for Morata. I think Morata's been spectacular here early on in the preseason. Every time he's gone on a pitch, even last season, he impressed. I think the future is very, very bright for for Morata. But the capitão is the capitão, and if he's healthy and if he's ready to go, that's the first name that Roger Schmidt has to put on that list. Yeah. And a pairing that we hadn't, that we hadn't seen all season, uh, all uh, preseason, I should say, um, Auschwitz and Kokshu. Uh, we saw a little bit of it, or half of it, um, against the, the who is it that uh, we played uh, in Al- Algarve? The second half or the first half of uh, the Algarve uh, game. We played Celta and Alatihad or whatever Ronaldo's yeah, team. We played at Celta. Uh, we played um, no Burnley. Sorry. Um, are you surprised? But that was, Burnley wasn't Belenes spot. That wasn't that's Algarve. No, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. It was the, la- the very last game because uh, up until these last couple games, Burnley, uh, Burnley, whatever Burnley. they call them, Burnley. Yeah, uh, up, up until um, this these very last games, we had seen different uh, different partnerships in the midfield, and now all of a sudden we see Kokshu and Auschnitz. Auschnitz, whose uh, poor performance, couple poor performances last year, came uh, when he played in the, in the middle. Uh, and clearly, he's a guy that has the experience of playing in the middle. But it, it, when playing in this system for Roger Schmidt, he's a lot, he's a lot more effective, and and much better contribution to the team on that left hand side. Um, Cristiano, do you think that uh, Roger Schmidt is trying to force this partnership because there's? There's some some knowledge of each other, familiarity between the two players, or do you think that this is just a, another test to see if uh, if it sticks? Listen, to be honest, I can't. To be honest, I can't say I blame the guy because if you would have asked me, what my what my tandem is in the midfield would have been Koksu and Arsenis. That would have been my first option. But obviously, after watching these guys play in back to back games where things didn't go smoothly, where you could tell the defensive transitions weren't as smooth as we all expected or wanted to. There's a lot of intensity missing in that middle of the park where it it it, it sucks to say, but it, it screams out for Florentino to be on the field. And so I think ultimately Roger Schmidt's going to have uh, to make that decision come, come again, as I stated before. Uh, against Football Club do Porto, it, most likely we will see Arsenal on the left. But as you know, I've never been a fan of playing Arsenal on the left. I don't like playing Arsenal on the left. I think last year you got away with it because you had the likes of Grimaldo cleaning up the whole wing, going up and down, doing what he wants uh, on the offensive end, and he could obviously make the difference with the ball at his feet. This year, not so much. This year you have a guy in Jurassic Park who has not, at least in his first you know, few appearances here in preseason, we understand that it's going to take him a little bit of time to adapt. But so far, 
early on he's not shown the quality with the ball at his feet. He's not shown that he could do the whole corridor a la Grimaldo. So, therefore, I think it'll be a lot more crucial to have a guy on the wing that could create a guy that can go on a counterattack and beat defenders one-on-one. And I just don't see Arsenal as being that guy. And to be brutally honest with you, I, I actually stated this on Twitter. I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before. There's so many questions going around, swirling around, whether you're going to play Coxo and Tino, João Neves and Tino, João Neves and Arsenal, uh, Tino and Arsenal. There's, there's so many questions. And to me, it, it's really simple. I would adapt this formation from a 4-2-3-1 to a 4-3-3, not play Coxu, uh, Tino, and Arsenal in the middle, and then Di Maria, Ramos, and then on the left, I'd play uh, Neres, Rafa, any of those guys. I think that's the way you'd play. I think it'd be a midfield with three guys in the middle of the park that could come back against the opposition's midfield. We know we're going to go up against Walco do Porto. That loves to play in a 4-3-3. And in majority of these games that we played against them over these recent years, they've always dominated because they've always had more players in the middle of the park than we have. And I think the only way to combat that is to play three guys in the midfield. So that's just my opinion. Hopefully, Roger Schmidt's listening because we know he's the number one. <laughs> he's the number one podcast. He was actually the first guy to, to smash the like button. For those of you listening, <laughs> smash the like button, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, that's what I would do. But you know, to be honest, to, to, I know I'm, I'm going around and around. But to, to get back to you, to your initial question, man, yeah, it, it, things did not look good between Coxu and Arsenal in the middle. I know, as you mentioned, they have familiarity with one another from playing together previously at Firenord, but. It looked like an open highway in the middle of the field, man, with those two guys together. Yeah, no, I'll be curious to see what, which uh, will be the starting uh, partnership in the middle. But I, I definitely think that the Auschwitz is a, a failed experiment for now. And like you said, against Porto, it, it will require a little bit more muscle. But uh, plenty of other questions. The other question is, it, it looks like, and look, it's it's preseason. There's that, there's double double sessions. Legs are heavy. Uh, but we're kind of seeing signs of both Rafa and João Mario of last season when they dipped in form. Uh, so a lot of questions is, do these guys deserve to start or does Roger Schmidt give um, an opportunity to other guys that are on the wings? For example, Nerj, for example, um, that could play in the, in the Rafa spot uh, with Auschwitz on the left and, and Di Maria on the right. Uh, so it, it, it's it's a big question mark. Uh, it's a good problem to have. Di Maria could also play behind the striker if you Correct. want to implement Ned. We all know that Ned is better on the on the right than he is on the left. So look, the good thing about a a good plantel, the good thing about these headaches is that there's plenty of of, of options for multiple spots, which is a good headache for Roger Schmidt. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have that option at right back. We don't have that option at goalkeeper. We don't have that option at striker, and we don't have that option at left back. It's it's not a problem at any of those. But as of yet, and there's still what's today the second. There's still 29 days left to to, to straighten that out. Uh, but you know, Roger Schmidt could absolutely mix and match. It's unfair to sit here and say João Neves after playing brilliantly down the stretch last year, you're no longer a guy that's going to start for us, you're relegated to the bench. Same thing with Tino. It's just like it's unfair to say that to Arsenis. And it's unfair to say it to a guy like, you know, João Mari, who had a spectacular year last year, but we're not even talking about him. And then there's Koksu. You bench the guy, you just spent $30 million on this guy. I had a conversation with Hugo, and Hugo was like, oh, I played Neves and, and Tino and bench Koksu. And I'm saying, bro, no, for, for, for our sake and for every Benfica around the world, bro, 
better pray that Kok Su is not a failure, that he's not a flop, because it's it's one of those uh, expensive-ass flops. We don't even want to contemplate that. But if you went and spent $30 million to bring this guy to sit on the bench for Joel Neves to play, it's nothing against Joel Neves. I love the kid. I think the kid's fantastic. But it's just it's asinine. I mean, Kok Su has to play. The question is going to be, who is his partner? Who is the guy that's going to be his tag team partner in a game, especially of this magnitude, where we understand the intensity is going to be through the roof. The guys on the opposite side of the field are going to eat grass. So it's imperative that you have somebody that knows how to defend, but at the same time, you have to create. You have to get the ball forward. And I think Koksu is going to be key in that department. So it's very interesting to see what's going to happen down the line here for Benfica and Roger Schmidt. Alfredo, all I can tell you is that I'm, I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting this. I'm excited. I can't wait to be sitting in front of a TV on Wednesday watching this game. But, yeah, man, my nerves, you know, they're starting to ramp up, Alfred. It's good to have options. That's that's all yep. I got to say. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a great – listen, I'd rather have options than last year. Remember, we, we we couldn't figure out who to play before Joel Nebs emerged and, all, and then all of a sudden <laughs> Rafa, Joel Mario, Gonzalo Ramos, even Edis, these guys for a good month and a half to two months, those, they, them dudes were on the milk carton. They disappeared. Yeah, and so now you have options. Now you have plenty of options. I wish we'd have another option at, at, at right back, another option at goalkeeper. As I mentioned, and I wish to be brutally honest with you, I know I know Musa scores some goals, but you know I, I like to have someone to give Gonzalo Ramos a real run for his money. But you know what? That might be too late because reports are he's getting close to leaving. So we'll see what happens. But if he does stay, I like to get somebody to give him. Um, more competition. I don't think Musa and Tank started for those two guys, but you still have to convince both of them. Yeah, somebody was saying here, uh, Roy Paulo was saying Ramos to PSG after the Supertasa. So um, let me ask you this, Cristiano. If you only had money to get one guy, which position do you would you go for? Well, I, before I answer that question, I have to ask you a question. Does Ramos stay? Well, if the squad is as is, right? Obviously, if Ramos goes, we're going to have to go to the market for, for a forward. And I think that Benfica may already have identified. Well, that's why I'm at. If Ramos stays and I have money to go get one player and one player only, I'm going to go get a goalkeeper. Okay. That's, that's need- the answer to my question. If, yeah, but well, but if Ramos stay it leaves, then I, I listen. I, I'll do Rocco. I need somebody to put the ball in the back of the net because if you don't score, you don't win. Obviously, that's what that's what. Yeah, that just came up with that one. I don't know if you know about that. If you don't score, you don't. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good philosophy. Yeah, uh, you know, it's like normally the team that scores more goals wins. You know that one too, right? Yeah. But um, if if Ramos stays, I need a goalkeeper. Benfica, you know, I've been harping on this for four years now. Benfica needs a goalkeeper that could come out, that knows how to hold on to balls, that come out for crosses, that could play with his feet. Vlaco Dimos is good at one thing, one thing only, and that's quick reflexes, everything else. The guy just leaves a lot to be desired. It's not a Benfica-caliber goalkeeper. I know we were spoiled, but I still do think we can upgrade. So if I could go get a goalkeeper, um, that's what I would do. I need somebody to give me those assurances in between the pipes. Yeah, Paul and has... especially. And I'm sorry. You see now, Jurisic... Even if he improves, he doesn't have the feet of a Grimaldo. No. With Otamendi and Antonio Silva, Morato, Morato, not, not as good as those guys to boil his feet, but still he could get the job done. 
Bah, at times, you could tell he gets a little clumsy, getting atrapalhado on the ball on his feet, poor pressure. So, which means that you're going to need a goalkeeper to be able to to to, to relieve to relieve, I should say, some of that pressure in the back. And again, nothing that I've seen from Jurassic Park indicates that he's the type of player that could do that. So it's imperative that Benfica gets a goalkeeper that can play with a ball at his feet. We know Vlaco Dimos cannot do that. So, again, man, I, I don't know what the hell these guys are doing, but at the same time, I, I, I'm a little upset and I'm a little worried because if it's the same person that's going to identify a goalkeeper and, I, and sign off on acquiring a goalkeeper, and if it's the same person that signed off on, on, on paying $14 million for Jurassic Park, I don't want that guy making no decisions. That guy should not be allowed <laughs> to make any of those, any decisions on any player going forward. Let me uh, read some comments here. Um, Paul Rezin is saying, I highly doubt uh, Ramos is going to PSG. Enrique looks like he's going to play a false nine system with Asensio uh, in a false nine role. Uh, Manny Valadon is saying, am I the only one feeling Joe Mario and Rafa at current form has had, have had no place on the starting lineup? And frustrating to watch. It's still going on with Nairs on the bench. You're not the only one. Yeah. I'll tell you all, friends, there's tons of comments. I mean, everybody today came out. They're firing. You have Justin Aragon. What do you guys think about Truven or Lunin coming in to compete yeah. with our mental deal looks unlikely? Listen, man, I like Truven a lot. That'd be my number one option. As you guys know, last year, if you recall, buy, sell, keep. I mentioned getting Lunin. I've gotten some negative news on Lunin, on Lunin lately, so I've kind of gotten a little cold on that what, what on that news? front. What news? I'll share with you later. Uh, I've gotten a little cold on Lunin, but at this point, man, I'm willing to try anything because uh, you guys know I'm not a Vlacodimos fan. Lunin is terrific with the ball at his feet, to be honest with you. I think that's one of his strongest suits is the guy could absolutely play a pass out and, you know, so – I'm not totally against it, but I've just gotten a little bit colder on that front. Yeah, and look, I think last week I was I was a little bit uh, I could have been misunderstood as uh, as harsh towards Samu, right? I'm not. I wasn't shitting on on Samu, and and then after after thinking about you know what what I said, I wasn't shitting on Samu. I think that Benfica needs somebody that could compete with Flaco Dimus, and I just don't think that Samu is that is that goalkeeper. I think that Samu doesn't really present a challenge to Vlako Dimus. So whether we want to replace Vlako Dimus or we want to take Vlako Dimus to the next level, uh, we're going to need somebody that's going to compete with him uh, every day. Samu may very well be a great goalkeeper and may end up being a great goalkeeper down the line. I just don't think he's the guy uh, to compete with, uh, with Vlako Dimus right now. So I wasn't really shitting on Samu. I just think that we need to have a guy that's going to compete with Vlako Dimush. And hence why Cristiano said if he had to go get one guy, if the whole squad stays the same, he would go get a goalkeeper. So it's easy. I think that all of us see uh what a good 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 goal a good bleh, a good goalkeeper with the feet can do, right? So when we're being pressed high and a ball comes back to the goalkeeper if the goalkeeper has the feet and the technique to place the ball past that first line of pressure into the midfield, 
you know, we're in much better place in terms of a build out in terms of how we could come out of the out of, out of defense with the ball. With Vlako Dimus being with, with the defense being pressed and Vlako Dimus played the ball back. Vlako Dimus most of the time he usually sends up a 50-50 ball or he plays it out of bounds. Easy. Easy. Uh it's a so, it's like turnover like in the NFL turnover just you know yeah. get back on defense. It's like a punt, right? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I gave I gave Roger Schmidt, Rui Costa, and everybody at Benfica. I gave all these guys a blueprint of what to do this year. If we recall the buy, sell, sell, loan, keep all that stuff, I said it. Then you have to loan out Samu. I said it, and all you guys, y'all keep them. Listen, it's nothing against the kid, but goalkeepers this young age, they're either special. To be able to play at a club like Benfica with tons of pressure on them on a weekly basis, or they have to go out on loan in order to develop to the next level. Look, guys, some of you that are getting offended because Alfredo apparently, you know, didn't send flowers to Samu. You guys are characterizing it as him shitting on Samu. No, sometimes we have difference of opinion, and so therefore you guys have to sometimes use your cabeza and think for a quick second. You have the likes of Oblak, who was at Benfica. Couldn't play. I'm pretty sure he was spectacular at that young age, but wasn't ready. And, and at the time, we had we, we look as much as I'm not a fan of Vlaco Dimos, we didn't have much better in, in, in Artur. It's not like we had, you know, Michelle Perdome at the time. And and Oblak went out on loan, came back. There's nothing wrong with that. Same thing with Ederson. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And so to sit here and say that Samu needs to go out on loan because he needs to get experience. The majority of goalkeepers around the world need to get experience before they get thrown to a to a you know to a, a pressure cooker situation like we see that at the start of the loose right and the ones that do get thrown in right away those guys are the special ones yeah. those are the narumas of the world those are the guys that go on to play 10 15 year careers at a legendary status playing national team and ladies and gentlemen there's very few of those guys around the world and so to say Tamu needs to go all alone it's not an offensive about that Benfica needs to do it. Benfica should have two goalkeepers on this team that can play at any moment when the other one is not available, right? And you're not skipping a beat. Us fans aren't shitting in our pants. His teammates aren't. The teammates aren't worried about playing with this guy because trust me, I've played a little bit, but I played. And a lot of times when the backup goalkeeper was in and he was inferior, but I buy a wide margin to the starter, <laughs> man, we just looked at each other. Like, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun. So Benfica, as I sit here, man, and you guys might think I may know about these things, but I've said it for years, man. These just yeah, Benfica should always be the to acquire the best and be the very best. I hate to settle. I'm not a settler. I hate to settle. Just oh, you know, the guy was great at U19, but no, no, that's fine. Let him go play. Let him prove himself, and then bring him back. Yeah, and that should be a different position. That's not just that goalkeeper. Position. Yeah, Kevin has uh, Kevin had a, a question here. If Ramos leaves, do we go for João Felix? I, I, I got to be honest, for as much as I like Jerome Felix, and I love Jerome Felix, I just don't think that he fits the system. I'm afraid he fits the system perfectly. Bro, <laughs> bro, listen, first of all, to answer Kevin's question more directly, I think I think the Jerome Felix situation has no bearing, no, has nothing to do with, with whether Gosal Rums leaves or not. I think Jerome Felix is going to come down to the wire. It's going to be one of those situations whether something pops up 
a better opportunity financially for Atletico Madrid. That makes sense. Atletico Madrid cannot run the risk of sending him to a club that he's not going to adapt, he's not going to play, because if they do that, they lose all sorts of value. That's it. The player will be – nobody's going to come even close to offering these guys any type of money to get his services the following season. So they have to be very smart about where they send Juan Felix next. And if Benfica makes all the sense in the world because he's coming back home, he's going to adapt, and he's going to play at the level we all expect him to play. He's going to be competing in the Champions League. So Atletico has has a very difficult decision to make. They have to send him somewhere where he's going to be successful. Now, to answer your question, Alfredo, come on. you telling me Di Maria, Ramos, and him on the left doesn't fit into the system. Taj Maluk, no, man. No, Ramos. Ramos leaves. Yeah, but he'll play on the left. He's never going to play striker. But if, he, if Ramos leaves, they have to go get a striker. They need a number nine. They always right. need a number nine. Well, and, and, and number nine's not on the roster right now. And João Felix is not a nine. João Felix, uh, where he can play in a 4-3-2-1, is play João Felix in the Rafa position behind the Gonçalo Ramos. Think about that. He could play there. He could play yeah, on the left. Uh, I mean, come and that's what I meant. That's what I mean. If Ramos leaves, we need a goal scorer. And João Felix is not a goal scorer. He's a, he's a guy that sets up. He's a guy that sees passes that other people don't see that see spaces but he's not a goal scorer uh I, and i think at this point i think that joan felix needs benfica more than benfica needs joan felix that's my opinion that's my opinion uh a little bit of both a little bit of both because benfica gets a player of his caliber it's not every day that benfica acquire a player of his caliber and if he comes in and concentrated and motivated to prove everyone wrong and playing at the champions league level playing in a campeonato where he's very familiar playing with the likes of di maria and trying to get his name back out on top of the mount come on bro the guy will be lights out yeah. it'd be phenomenal just some comments here tino and never should play against porco says redman 21 nick Valadons says if ramos leaves we get the striker from Feyenoord. you know i i like the finish it was a nice finish. I'd swap the two of them right now, but the problem is his price tag of fifty million. And ladies and gentlemen, Benfica is not paying fifty million for anybody. I'm sorry, I apologize. I yeah. burst your bubble. Um, again, I never thought they'd pay thirty million for Coxu. So hey, <laughs> surprise me. Yeah, uh, Paul Hezen is saying if we bring in anyone that's better than uh, than Adi, uh, that will be a miracle and a game changer. Um. I don't know. I just I just want somebody to compete with the guy. Uh, it said if 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 status is getting more important than performance, clearly Morato is in better moment than Otamendi says Bruno Gil Rodrigues. I I, I, Bruno, I agree with you, bro. But but Ota, listen, I would not be surprised if Morato gets a call. But we're talking about old Capitão. We're talking about the guy with tons. And loads and loads of experience. A guy that's been everywhere and done it all. A guy that play that knows what it's like to play in these games with the likes of, of the you know the the Scubaremis and all these players. Man, it's you know what I mean. It's important to have a guy with his experience on the field. Um, yeah. And so, I agree with you. I I think the 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 importance of the game and the context of the game. I think it's it's. There's an argument to be made for that that uh, that Otamendi starts right. If the game is against Gil Vicente, if the game is against Boa Vista, if the game is against Pas Freira and many other teams in the Portuguese league, all teams but Porto, I think that uh, there were Morato slots in there. And nobody's 
talking about Otamendi's leadership, but the fact of the context of the game, like Stiano already mentioned, against Porto, uh, it's crucial. My, my struggle here is whether or not Otamendi is going to be game fit enough to be able to be at his best level physically. Not mentally, because I think mentally he's always going to be there 110%. But in terms of physical, is he going to be able to keep pace with a faster forward? Is he going to be able to double up a guy uh, when the guy is beat? That I don't know. Uh, but certainly the, the, the fact that he has experience in these hot and heavy games, uh, his leadership qualities... And the captain of this team that led this team many, many games last season, I think it, it speaks very highly. And he definitely makes a case for him to get a start against Porto. But I'm with you, Cristiano. If Murat starts, I'm not upset. You ready for me to piss, uh, piss off a whole bunch of I'm people? I'm always ready for you to piss off a bunch of people. I'd start, I'd start Muratu on the left and Otamendi on the right. <laughs> go up there fight it off hey look let's not forget Antonio Silva's worst game as a professional was was last game outside the Luzgans against Fuboco Deport and I'm not saying that obviously he's going to continue that I think I think the world of Antonio Silva as well but if you really want to throw things for a loop you play Murato on the left Otamani on the right because you know the physicality is going to be there man you're going to need that type of play against the likes of Fuboco Deport but as, as we all know, it's going to be Antonio Silva, and the, the question is going to be which of the other two is going to be his partner, Morato or Otamendi. So I think Otamendi will ultimately get the call at the end of the day. Yeah, Paul Rezins, I think, uh, I know he says we need a number nine in Juan Felix. Uh, Ramos changed his number to number nine, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, he did. SLBE. He changed to nine. Hold on. Morato changed to five, and, and Antonio Silva changed, changed to four. Four, right. Um, Paul Rezins also says Otamendi isn't in game shape. His leadership skills are essential, but those leadership skills are pointless if the opponents are going to pass them the whole game. Uh, SLBEES says if Otamendi isn't 100%, Murato can step in, no problem. He's ready. Yeah. I think both, both Silver and, and Murato are ready, and I, I think that they would do a good job. But the context of the game is the, is the big, big factor. Uh, when it comes to that. So, Hugo uh, Freire. Guys, this is simple. He's ready to go. It's always him plus 10. <laughs> this this coming from a guy that when we Benfica signed him, he, he couldn't, oh, this poor cool. I don't want that fucking guy. No, no you got the wrong guy. You got oh, the that's wrong not guy. the right guy? That was you, oh, right? <laughs> no, me. No, no. I was a fan. No, he uh, he went right away and bought a, <laughs> Bora Otamendi shirt. Ugu was on board to, to start. Who is the guy that uh, just uh, that couldn't stand the Otamendi uh, buy? Do you I remember? You, I, can, I can name you 15,000 of them. It was somebody from our group of friends, if I'm not mistaken. It wasn't me, because you know, even this year, when the Tells conversation came up, I was all no, for it. Def- so it definitely know. wasn't you. I even think oh. it, it wasn't me either, because I even think that uh, when he had a, a couple games and he had a bad game after the start, and people started shitting on him right away. I wasn't even, I, I wasn't even there. People started saying, "Oh, he's uh, he's sabotaging our team. He, he's doing this. He's doing." No, I, I was never part of that our crowd. Friend, our 
friend Paul Rezende here on the chat. Paul Rezende. He's one of them. He, <laughs> I think he's finally only after two years. I think he's finally getting over the over that fact, and I think he's finally starting to admit that, that Otamendi uh, <laughs> has been been a good signing for me. Yeah, uh, Roy Paulo says Ristich or Jurasek on the left. <laughs> throw throw a coin and decide. Look, I, I think that at this point, from what I've seen, and I've seen all of the friendlies, each time I I felt that Ristich was on a step above uh, from Jurasek. Uh, and but then again, Jurasek hasn't been with the team for that long. Doesn't know the 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 you know the the the, the game model the moves, but he's he, he I see things like his touch is super loose, super super loose. Defending is not the best at defending. Neither is Ristich, but I at least I think that Ristich's uh, touch is a little better. I think that we were spoiled last year because a lot of times we came out of the defense uh, through Grimaldo. Grimaldo was a very good associative player. He, he, he played well with the, with the guys in the middle. And I think that we kind of took that for granted. And now all of a sudden, we don't have a guy that can come out of the ball, uh, out of the back uh, through the fullback position. I would not be at all surprised if Free Stitch gets the call because we understand, and I think Roger Schmidt should understand right now, the way that Sergio Conceição plays against us, which is pressure up and down the field there. Every opportunity he gets... And you're going to have a guy like Jurassic Park who clearly, I think he took a doodle in his pants against the Fire North, right? You could tell he was having difficulty. He's not ready for a game of this magnitude. I think Ristich is going to be the call because, if, as you mentioned, he's going to be able to control the ball, going to be able to give you a better outlet pass. Um, I just not, I'm just not sure about Ristich to, to sit here and say that he's clearly better than the other guy. I think he's clearly better with the ball at his feet. I don't think there's there's any doubt there. But, I mean, have we seen Ristich play a full game against anything that meant that, that was worth <laughs> any something. type of shit? Nobody. Yeah. You know what I'm that, So, I, uh, yeah. it, we're going to go – I think we're going to go into this game against Porto, Porto with a question mark regardless of who it is. I think we'd all be a lot more comfortable with a Ristich but I don't think we'd all be 100% sure. Like, oh, we're good. We're solid. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and for a guy that's not been Grimaldo's biggest fan over the years, and you and I have had plenty of conversations. Bro, I sit it on Twitter and I'm going to say it again, or Twitter or X, whatever the hell shit's called nowadays. I, I, I sit it there and I'll say it again. I'm, these these two mofos are going to make me miss <laughs> Grimaldo, bro. Yeah. Yeah, uh, look, and I think that as the season goes on, and uh, and I think three, four games into the season, things will will start becoming a lot clearer in terms of who uh, the starter will be or which guy will be at a, at a higher level than the other. Uh, as we saw last season with Ba and Gilberto, I think Gilberto started the season, Ba came in, started playing better, secured the spot, so on and so forth. So I, I don't know if that's going to be the case with Jurassic. Uh, I, I hope. Alfredo, there's a huge difference. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but there's a huge difference in that. The difference in that is that the year prior, Gilberto had gotten some starts on the George Zeus. He had gotten some playing time in important games. So as a guy with experience at this level, and this is credit to Grimaldo, who's never practically played almost every single minute last season. And so he's very, you know, very rarely off the pitch. But 
We can't say that about Aristic. We're talking about Aristic yeah. that's not played at this level. He's been on the squad. He's played against Sturio. He's made a couple of appearances. But Gilberto started ahead. Gilberto was further ahead than Oboba was at the time. When the season kicked off, he was the leader in the clubhouse. I, I don't think that could be said about Ristich. I think Ristich is, has taken the lead due to the fact he's played he's played well to his credit. He's performed at the level that, that, that at least the level that that's that we all could accept at this at this point. But I think that we're all just ultimately super disappointed in Jurassic Park that we're willing to get rid of right now. Ristich people are treating <laughs> As if he's Grimaldo, because everybody wants to see Gristich all of a sudden. Yes, he's got a beautiful touch with that left foot, but again, there's still another player with a tremendous, a tremendous amount of questions regarding his play as well. Yeah. So it, we're screwed, man. I just, I just hope that these guys come to play. Yeah. Kevin says Gristich isn't a one-trick pony. Guy has a counter of a left foot, plus he dribbles past players. Uh, I think that you could say the same about Jurassic. At least he tries to. Uh, to he get... tries, but he don't dribble past nobody. <laughs> but he, he has a, he, do, he does have a, he does have a Yo, shot. Morris, by the way, guys, it's embarrassing. We got eight lights. Come on, guys, come on, <laughs> smash the light. Come on. How many people are watching? Three, eight. I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. They should have. Well, come out and come you back go hit the like, like button. Yeah, you go don't like it. That's why. Boris Nagar said, "If Zomari plays versus Fruta, we lose." <laughs> uh... Jurassic are physically stronger compared compared to Grimaldo. That's needed versus Fruta. Uh, Roy Paulo, Judo was playing second division Czech just two years ago. Going to take some time to settle. We definitely overpaid, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, SOB says, let's play three center backs. We've got enough players. Get rid of the Lutherites. Epa, listen, I'm not opposed to because as if you listen, SOB easy. And then most of you guys listen to podcast, you know, uh, podcast, you know I want to play a 3-5. 3-5-2 or 3-4-3, something along those lines. I, I, but it's not something you do right just, now. I mean, it's just out of the spur of the moment. Yes, Shit needs to get like worked. A, like a George Zeus, let's put the Louisa left back. It doesn't, <laughs> can't do that game week. You know what I mean? We've started preseason a month ago, and, and now all of a sudden we're just going to surprise. It. No, it's got unless they've been practicing it on the sneak. <laughs> uh, unless... It's been, you know, the archives. I don't know, but well, I just don't see it happen. That was uh, that was uh, JJ's. Uh... Think it is? Oh, okay. <laughs> that was JJ's solution for having uh, Nelson Verissim and, and two other good center backs. Was let's go back to let's go to three center back uh, system. That was his. Uh, that was a solution for not wanting to leave uh, Verissim on the bench. Dude, right now you mentioned Verissim, and I don't know why my head spun. And, and you're talking about George Zeus, and I was thinking about when he played Roderick, a left back as well, or right back, or something like that. And I'm just thinking about some of the disastrous things that have happened. So, but, yeah, just wanted to share that. But, anyway, um, a clear difference uh, when when uh, the, the second half, uh, Morato came in, Rich Teach came in, Neres came in, uh, Florentino, Jean Vitor, Jean Neve. So we, we saw a little bit more of a consistent play, but if he could trying to do a, a little bit more. But... They were just pressed high, and, and I think that Benfica continues in the beginning of the game. Benfica continues to show difficulties playing against teams that press high. And, and one of the things is obviously Vlako Dimas isn't a trusted uh, guy that you could go back to and that he'll play an outlet ball that we could get out of the press. Uh, but Benfica struggled, uh, and I think that we saw Porto last season. 
presses high. We saw Sporting last season presses high. And, and I think that a lot of these teams have that blueprint and they feel that Benfica struggles against the high press. So I'm, I'm curious to see what the approach is going to be in the Super Cup. We'll, we'll get to talk about that uh, next week as, as we have another podcast before the game. Uh, but certainly uh, a much more consistent, familiar Benfica in the second half than in the first half. But look, you know, the result doesn't matter. Uh, 2-1 of our Feyenoord. Um, surprised that to, to see Govea in, uh, come in in the 75th minute. Uh, usually it's a spot where uh, Chiquinho comes in. Uh, I, I wonder if Chiquinho's out the door. Cristiano, have you heard anything in, in your group of secretive friends about Chiquinho going out? Latest word is that there's no decision made, but we should hear something on it soon. On Chiquinho? And I think, I think Govea is going to go out on loan as well. Yeah. Well, uh, the other kid uh, went out on uh, alone. Martin Net went to Gil Vicente. Martin Net didn't. I think he got minutes in the in the very first game of the preseason, the one that they played with the with the training uh, jerseys. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I I like Martin. Like Go ahead. Was it Southampton or something like that? Yeah, against yeah, Southampton. Um, I I liked what I saw from. Um, From Govea, sorry, I couldn't find his name. From Govea, but uh, I, I just don't think that he's played enough or has been much of an option for Roger Schmidt. So I'm thinking he may not even count. Now, if Chiquinho goes out, maybe Govea stays. Maybe Govea stays. So I don't know. What? Who's going to play on the wing? Chiquinho plays in the middle. Why? Why? Why should that? Why should that affect the other? Uh, Govea plays a little bit. On the interior also. So kind of like in that spot between Chiquinho and João Mario, kind of like a player like that. But he's more of an attacking guy than he is a guy um, to build up. Melez. Um, let's uh, go back to... Uh, Go back here to some questions. Uh, Paul Rezenzo or some comments. Let's uh, let's be honest. Jurassic Park doesn't look good. Can't believe we actually paid 14 mil for him. Uh, that will be a disaster if we end up paying that much and he ends up being a flop. Uh, look, I, I think that every club in the world is aware of what amounts Mefica sells players for. So in return, um, other clubs are going to play in that same in that same sandbox, they're gonna ask for 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 money from Benfica, and I don't I don't have a problem um, that Benfica spends that much for a player because I think that if you want to compete and you want to have a competitive squad that can compete outside of Portugal, you gotta spend that type of coin. Uh, I just think that, and as Cristiano, Cristiano mentioned. Whosever decision was to get Jurassic, and I know it's very easy, to, it's very early for us to be judging the guy or, or what his potential or what he could be. Um, whoever did made that decision didn't make the very right decision because if we spent a lot of money, you better hit it right on a on a head. And it doesn't look like we hit it right on a head uh, with uh, with Jurassic in the same way that. Uh, we hit it on the head with with Auschnitz and with Enzo last season, um, so we'll, we'll just have to see. We'll have to see how it uh, how it how it plays out. 
Uh, Nick Villadon says, Rodrik Miranda is a throwback player. I haven't thought of him in years. Uh, Cristiano, do you know what Rodrik's playing right now? I have no... Oh, I think he's in a premiership. Australia. In the, he's in Australia. He's down under, mate. He was with Nani, right? He was with Danny. He's Nani. playing He's playing uh, soccer in Australia. Peggy was saying that we haven't used the... Uh, the Australian accent, mate. Here it is. That's for you, Peggy. Uh, what else is uh, Roy Paulus? Let's see. Uh, Boris is saying we could have lost three, four, five, uh, one versus Fire North. Uh, Paul Rezens, uh, I'm sorry, Roy Paulus saying keep Govea, Jean Mario, and, and Rafa get ready to learn Arabic. <laughs> um, Let's see, uh, Hugo Freire is, is having his own personal uh, conversation with people in a in a chat about Otamendi. Um, this guy's going to scholars. Boris Negarosa says Jurassic is is new at this. Uh, he used to play against teams like uh, Stato Pramen or whatnot. Give the guy some time. Yeah, look, I want to give him some time. I hope. I hope that there's Cesar Silva from down under. Melbourne City is where uh, Roderick is. I, look, I hope that Jurassic proves us all wrong. But but look, I've uh, Cristiano and I have hung out a lot. We have watched a lot of games together. Uh, as a matter of fact, we, we used to watch uh, quite a bit of Red Bull games together. And the one thing that Cristiano always, always looked for and mentioned in terms of determining a, how good a player is, was the touch? Remember that, Cristiano? I remember. I still do. Yo, I need one touch. And that's it. <laughs> I don't need to see nothing else. If the touch is not there, forget about it. You, you, yeah. you can't play yeah, at this level. The thing we need to clear up about this Jurassic Park guy, bro, pick up your socks. You don't have the jinga. You don't have the touch to wear low socks. You're disrespecting all the legends. Cristiano, maybe he gets cramps. Yeah, you pick up your socks. Bring them above the knee, bro. The higher the socks go up. You don't got Jinga, bro. So somebody needs to – because you watch that guy, you expect it, and then you see that horrible touch, bro, you want to throw up. So just, just bring up the socks, and then maybe we don't expect as much out of you. So I think someone needs to get that message over to him. Yeah, and as I mentioned, somebody had mentioned that he was just playing second division a couple of years ago. Um, and, and, and certainly, like I was saying, the touch is key at this at this level because you have a lot a lot less time on the ball uh, than you would normally have at a lower level. So that first touch that can that that controlled session uh, orientada, as they they say in Portugal, where your your touch is, is always towards where you're headed next. Um, he lacks that. And I don't know if you could teach touch to a, to a guy. No, you know what pisses me off about the whole Jurassic thing is that I think Bifikistas, I've said this I don't know many times now, Bifikistas are close-minded. Bifikistas, they, they went Google Gaga over Kerkes. Nobody, None of them have ever seen the guy play. None of them. None of them, none of them have ever seen Jurassic Park play. And then you have the likes of of a Renan Lodi who's available and, and actually a million cheaper than – this Jurassic, okay, I understand his salary is a little bit more expensive, but so what? He's a 10 times better player. I don't understand, still relatively young, and I think, what, 24, 25? 
and that's what's pissing me off and ticking me off about this whole situation is is that there are there are players who are clearly clearly better options and better footballers than what's available and yet the leaders at Benfica and the fans alike they're they're choosing to turn their face to go acquire a guy that like somebody said in the chat and rightfully so that just two years ago was playing in the second division in the Czech league we're not talking about a powerhouse we're talking about the Czech league I mean even the spending, MLS is better than that now we're paying 14 million for a guy that's an unknown when you have the likes of a Renan Lodi, a guy who's a Brazilian national team starter. He stopped being a starter because he he, he did not want to take the, the, the COVID shot. It wasn't for performances. He doesn't get along with, with El Cholo Simeone. Well, guess what? He's not the only one. There's plenty of guys. I don't get along with Cholo Simeone, and I, I never met the guy. So, I mean, you have tremendous footballers who will come in and would be an upgrade over Grimaldo, and yet we choose to turn our face for the likes of Jurassic. I mean, come on. And I've been told that this was a Roger Schmidt request. Ooh. And it, it leaves me very disappointed. And I get it. We should give this guy time. And I'm not trying to say that this guy's a flop. I'm not saying he's not going to eventually turn around to be a good player. All I'm saying is that all I know today, you have Ren and Lodi or him side by side. It's an easy pick. It's real easy. Yeah. It doesn't even, it, it shouldn't even be a thought. But yet, we choose to turn our face to quality players that can come in and, and, and just add to this club as opposed to these lottery picks who, who, who we don't know what the – it's a scratch-off. You're going to scratch it off, maybe you got a good one, maybe you don't. But I know Renan Lodi is a good one. And so that, it leaves me a little bit upset when it comes to that. Yeah. Hugo Freire says that for me it's Antonio Silva and Otamendi as my starting tandem until they play themselves out of the role. I don't value preseason to that level. If you're ready to go, you're ready to go for me. And then uh, Paul has injuries. But uh, that's the thing. Physically, he isn't ready to go, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, you know, we've already spoke about that. Let's let's move on. Let's move on. Cristiano, you ready for the next topic? Hold on. I thought you were saying we are going to wrap up. Domestic fixtures I just put up uh, here. Um our, our fixtures, just a, just a, a, a couple things that I wanted to mention. In the first round, uh, home to Vitoria, Vitoria de Guimarães, home to Porto, home to Sporting, away to Braga, which means that in the second round, we will have to uh, go to Guimarães, go to Porto, and go to Sporting to play, uh, which is uh, a little bit more difficult than, than playing the second round uh, at home. Um in uh, September, we have Vizel and Portimonense back-to-back away games. In October, we have three games in October. One against Porto, one against, one against Trilo, one in Casa Pia. All three games are going to be in Lisbon, Cristiano. How do you like that? We always talk about uh, the lack of, of teams from the south. And now, all of a sudden, we got Sturil, we got Casa Pia, and we got Estrela da Amadora, all Lisbon area teams. And Sporting, obviously. That's fantastic. Fandango. Um, they save on expenses, bro, on logistics. They save. That's right. You could actually go spend uh, spend the, the night before at home and uh, show up at Stade de Luz at, or the Seychelles at a certain time and then uh, be bust. They'll be, going, 
they'll be doing the statue. I'm pretty sure. You think so? I think they have Roger Schmidt some, sometimes up out of the 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 statue. If I'm not mistaken, I think I remember one one or two games last season where he let the players go home. I forget. Um, February, short month of February. We have four games in February, and and obviously um, September, October, November. We'll be going through uh, Champions League, which will then return in February if we make it to the next uh, next round. Uh, so those games haven't even been sprinkled in there, along with the uh, useless international breaks that we'll have. We'll have one in September, and that's why I think we only have three games in September is because of an international break. Cristiano, any uh, any fixtures that jump out at you or any things about this, this uh, drawing that uh, jump out at you? For what the Campinat? Yeah, what do you what do you think of us uh, having to go away to uh, Guimarães Porto and Sporting in the second uh, round? Uh, see, I don't, I don't, I don't pay much attention to that. Man. Look, it, it'd be favorable. I'd rather play those types of games, second round, coming around at home. But at the end of the day, you're gonna have to play them on the road at home. So it is what it is. You know how I feel about these things, Alfredo. It's about handling your business. Do what you have to do. You're gonna have to play them on the road eventually. So. It is what it is. Beat them at home and then go out there and put all the pressure on them. They're going to have to, in order to, 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 to try to equalize things, they're going to have to win at home themselves. So um, it's it's good in a way because the pressure will be on the opposite side. Yeah. Hugo Ferreira, you need a captain on the pitch, not a Pisha Mursa, like João Mario hawking the armband. Um, Cristiano, what do you make of Antonio Silva getting an armband ahead of, uh, ahead of Rafa? Rafa was one of the captains last year. Uh, this year he seemed to have come down in a pecking order. I forgot the captain's armband, Alfredo. Uh-uh. Yes, he did. Antonio Silva first... got, got it over him, uh -uh. I believe. Oh, my bro. Thank God, my bro. Scoot. Rafa got... got it the very first preseason game, if I'm not mistaken. Guy, Freddy's, check it out. Go ahead, answer there on, on the chat. Rafa wore the armband the very first game, right, the preseason, correct? He's been uh, He's been passed up by Antonio Silva. That's not been passed up. He's, I just think he's, he's trying to I, – I think he's rotating. He's giving the guys, you know, an opportunity to wear it. I think at this point, Rafa doesn't know if he's staying or he's going, and it's just what it is. They, I think they made him feel special that first game, and then they started making the kid because, see, Rafa wore it against Southampton. Yeah, see? Yeah, but that was he it. He's been uh, – he's, he, he's been – he's been uh, – Passed by Antonio Silva. He's been on the field while Antonio Silva was on the field, and Antonio Silva got the armband. If I'm not mistaken, because this was a topic of conversation elsewhere. So, uh, well, Carlos Amaru, welcome. I know that you were in Portugal, so welcome back. Hope you had uh, safe travels. Good to see you, my friend. Um, Nick Valadão said Rafa is one of the co-captains. I don't. Th I think you're looking too much into it. I think, look, Rafa is obviously a guy that's disputing with the club his renovation, whether he stays or go. I think Roger Schmidt wanted to give the captain's armband to a guy like 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 Antonio Silva because, as we know, if things go according to plan and Otamendi's on the field, um, most of the season and João Mario's on the field, it, it, Antonio Silva will probably not wear a captain's armband in an official game. And if he plays like we all expect him to play, he might be gone at the end of the season, Alfredo. So I think they're trying to give him a little boom. Yeah. Might be the only opportunity he gets to wear. Yeah. 
where else? So uh, I'm excited about the start of the season. I I just hope that we start on uh, on the right foot here with the Super Cup against Porto. Not that uh, that stigma that we usually have when we play against uh, Porto. I hope that uh, we could put that behind us. Uh, and Chico Martins was asking, would you guys sell Rafa to Arabia? Bro, I'd sell him I to, I sell to, Rafa. to I, I, you Parta. I'll like you, Parta. I'll like you, Parta. Ciao, Laura. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If we got an offer for $10 million for Rafa, sayonara. I'll take him to the airport. Bro, yeah, listen. You bring him back, Gonzalo Guedes, I think it's beneficial. He's coming back. I know last week's pod, there's there a lot of people clamoring for his return. And so, congratulations. You got him back for another season. I think we have plenty of options. Look, a kid like Thiago Veya might be able to stay. But at the same time, if Rafa does leave, I want to see if he could go out and, and, and replace him and, and replace him with a starting caliber player, a guy. You know what I mean? I'm tired of these guys that... You know, should he stay? Should he go? Should he start? Should he not? No, man. Go Benfica needs to start getting players on this team that are going to add to the club, not just add to the rotation. Yeah, and Cristiano Camada's still out there. I thought that I somebody would would have snapped him up by now, but apparently he's he's part of that uh, that uh, a nice uh, group of players that are free agents. Yeah, I mean, if if I'm Benfica. I let go of Rafa and go get a guy like Kamala. Easy, I, I just, easy. I, I don't understand what's going on with him either. I'm not the biggest fan of Rafa, but th- th- this is look. Th- there's a reason why Rafa has been in Portugal all his career, right? There's lack of consistency, and I think that clubs could could smell that um, from a mile away. Uh, there's there's moments of genius. Uh, but those moments of genius are only matched by the moments of Azlis. Uh, for a goal, misses a goal, um, just like like he did against uh, Feyenoord, a, a ball that was played perfectly to his feet. All he had to do is put a foot on it, get something what on the ball. The week, what about the week before? One of those games where he gets the ball played for, who was it? Di Maria, I forget, around, somebody goes down the left side, plays it into the middle, and he comes, all he has to do is turn his body and tap it in with the inside of his foot. No, instead he tries to hit it with the outside of his foot and it goes to like the corner flag. Like you're inside the six. Yeah. It's... I mean, all you have to do is just lay up and, and turn your body and tap it. I mean, but then again, what can I say? Those guys that are professionals, you know, I'm doing a podcast on Tuesday nights. Uh, Sheik Marcelino <laughs> says, I would take Kamado over Rafa anytime. Any day. There's not even a question. Late. Sell Rafa and try Kamada again. Agree, man. Agree. Uh, many Villadon decision making at the last touch uh, sucks. Yeah, it has sucked for a little bit. He's a guy that's capable of the worst and the best. Rafa's always been, the question with Rafa's always been the final ball, whether yeah. it's on goal or whether it's a pass. It's always been that final decision that he struggled with. And I mean, look, I was at the Stade Municipal Aveiro. 2014, if I'm not mistaken, Benfica beats Sporting Braga in the Supertasa in his very first game in a Benfica uniform. Benfica acquired him from Sporting Braga. And in that game alone, he missed like six breakaways. We Six one-on-ones with the game. We should have known what was coming. We should have known. But then again, he's been, there's been, so let's not sit here and shit on Rafa because he's had flashes. He's had periods at this club where he was lights out and we've all we've all seen it, and I've said it before. When Rafa is on one of those moments of form, 
He's arguably the best player in Portugal. The guy is unplayable because of his speed. But there's too much inconsistency in his game. And at this point, if he's not willing to, to, to you know, to put uh, pen to paper um, as soon as possible, I would absolutely sell him before the, the, the summer transfer window was closed. Not because I dislike the guy, but because I'd rather sell him and get something for him than have him walk away scot-free and get nothing for him. Like yeah. we got with Grimaldo. So but, um, I always try to make the last buck as much as I can. Yeah. Um, types of situations. But it would, uh, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that we shouldn't even renew his contract. But you're right, Cristiano. If we could get some money this season for him before uh, January rolls around, then he's, he's free to talk to anybody. Um, you know, I would. Like I said, 10 million for Rafa, I'll take him to the airport. Easy. Easy. And go Nick get Maladon's, Chris. Any chance we swoop in and hijack the, the Alan Varela the deal? Seems like a smart movie. She can look. I, I don't think Bifika needs a like of Alan Varela. They're not going to spend money on another guy to just come sit the bench because as we as we talked about at the beginning of the uh, of the podcast, you have right now four legit legit candidates, and that's not even including Shikingu to play in the middle of the park in Neves Koksu. Uh, Arsenis, even though Arsenis might not play in the middle, but still in, in, in Florentino. Um, but I'd be lying to you guys if I if I were to tell you I wouldn't enjoy it a little bit. I would love for Benfica to do what these s what they did to us. If you guys recall, with Alexandro, with Danilo, with Hamid Rodriguez, Pereira. with 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 Ferreira. Pereira, Pereira, I'm saying the left back also, yep. the other guy, yep. with um, Fa- with Falcão. So I-, I would love to give them a little bit of their medicine. But at the end of the day, I think Benfica right now as it stands, I think we're very well served. I'd rather use that money, that 10 mil, to give it to a Kamada in the signing bonus to bring in Kamada than, than to go get an Alan Varela. Even though Benfica on this team needs another defensive player, to be brutally honest with you, because as we saw in the game against Feyenoord, how important – of, of a piece Florentino can be in that defensive position in the middle of the park because we don't have anyone else on this team with those same characteristics, which leads me to the next question is, if it's important and we don't have nobody else that plays like him, why is it that he's the only midfielder on the team with defensive characteristics? And I guess then maybe a Varela could fit in, but I just don't think Benfica's going to do that. Yeah. It'd be nice, It'd be nice to see it, Alfredo. Wouldn't, wouldn't you love it? Oh, yeah. Would you, wouldn't you love it? I would. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not the type of guy uh, tit for tat when it comes to Benfica. That's not the way I live the club. But I, I certainly understand. And 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 for those of you that don't know, this goes back to the time um, that Benfica's uh, IT provider was the same IT provider for Porto. Yeah, so, was, yeah, 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 yeah. So there was a lot of talk about, you know, Benfica making these moves, having these initial conversations, and then Porto knowing exactly how much Benfica was willing to pay and then just paying a little bit over it to secure the players. And and Porto did that. Cristiano mentioned a list of players. Porto did that for very, very key players that they brought on that ended up um, making a mark on the seasons that they played for the club. Both domestically and internationally. Um, what about guys that won, that they won the Liga Europa, bro? But, you know what I mean? You're talking about guys that are forever going to be ingrained in their history and then in, in European football history because they lifted a trophy, European trophy. So 
Yeah, man, I just I just wish we'd, we'd give him a little something back. Chick Marcelino uh, says, last time we tried to screw Porto, we got João Vitor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't uh, that wasn't the best, but that, that just goes to show. Anyway, um, this is all we got, Cristiano. Next week we'll be back. Dave is still, is still out. We miss him terribly. Uh, hey. Next week we'll be back on Tuesday um, to preview the, the Super Cup and, and discuss a few uh, more things. Uh, but it's been nice. It's been nice to to be back. It's been Hashtag nice. Like button, you SOBs. What are you guys doing? Hit the like button. Hit the. You still at ten? Thirteen now. Thirteen no, now. We, we've been doing. We've been doing this for what, an hour and a half already. Jesus. Paul Paul Rezin said I would trade Auschwitz for Varela in a heartbeat. Epa for this. This, this, I don't this know problem. Varela. I don't know Varela, so I can't really. Uh, but I, I mean, Auschwitz. Oh, 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 Paul, Paul, he's got a subscription to the to the Argentine and the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come, it's free with Fubo. <laughs> free with Fubo. Yeah. Um, what do you call? I I don't know Varela, but the importance that Auschwitz has on this team because of his. Um, his yeah, but Alfredo, I told you already. Is he? Really- is he really going to have the same one now? Well, you don't have that guy behind him that he doesn't have to worry about. At some point, he needs to attack. And you had Grimaldo doing the way. Now, Alfredo, I don't know, man. Honest to God, I don't know. Because you're going to need to score goals at some point. You need to go forward, man. And I'm just not sure playing him on the left is the smartest thing to do when you have the caliber of players that you have on this roster. It doesn't make sense. But he's a guy that balances the team. Just like João Mario, but I think he bring he gives a lot more to the team than João Mario does. He could get no it. wow. João Mario scored seventeen goals last year. Coxu tried ten penalties, missed them all. He couldn't score in a whorehouse <laughs> with a stack of hundreds, bro. What are you talking about? Remember, he's trying to score, he could not score. Poor guy, poor guy. We'll see. Anyway, uh, that's all for us. We'll see you next week. Thank you all the Freddies for for uh, being in the chat, keeping it lively. Uh, hope that uh, we provided enough entertainment for you guys on this Tuesday night. Thank you very much, Stenu. Always a pleasure. Take care, everyone. See you later.